Hey, Rockheads. If you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's great for kids doing homework, great for reading, great for writing, anything that you need to focus on. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments and more at mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1180, with guest Julie Lerman. Recorded Tuesday, August 18th, 2015. Hey, guess what? It's the Vermont edition of .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. <laughs> and this is Richard Campbell. And I'm missing out. I'm not in Vermont. I know you guys are having more fun. Well, yeah. So I'm up here with with my daughter looking around and checking out the, the place she's interested in, in living and working in Burlington. And who happens to be in Burlington but Julie Lerman. So we'll talk to Julie and in a few minutes, but uh, right now I'm at her house. There's many trees, and there's a dog the size of an elephant. <laughs> Giant puppy. Yeah, so if you hear heavy breathing, it's neither Julie nor I. <laughs> it's uh, interesting. So oh, what have you been up to, my friend? Uh, you know, we've been working hard on conferences. So you'll be coming up in just a few weeks here, Tech Intersection. Uh, in Monterey, California, September 14 to 16, and that's IoT, security, and architecture. Plus, it's right. co-located with Lino Tadros' show, FalafelCon. This is a really interesting thing. You you guys are getting into some different conferences around the world, not in partnering up with some of our friends. Yeah. Uh, stuff that's kind of new. Yeah, and trying sort of the edgier topics, too. Uh, it's Doug Seven that's leading the IoT group, and of course, he's working, he works at Microsoft, and they've just got an unbelievable lineup of stuff, and uh, got some folks from Hackster.io coming out. Troy Hunt and Paula Janowski on the security side. Wow, very so, good. You know, two real top-tier speakers, and then in on the architecture side, Yuval Lowy, Stephen Cohen, like it's it's just a stunning lineup of folks uh, at, at a really cool sort of private secluded location in Monterey, California. So uh, it's been a lot of fun putting it together. I was recording a bunch of stuff uh, la yesterday uh, related to it, and we're we're trying to make it uh, a new kind of show. See how it goes. That's awesome. Plus, you get sea lions. And so yes, many many sea. <laughs> you can hear them from the con conference center. That's so cool. Well, uh, you know, the news here, Richard, is that John Schofield came back to the studio. That's so cool. And uh, we recorded a brand new song that I had been writing as early as the day before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I know that to be true because I see your schedule and I saw you block out time for writing the day he was coming. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think it was the day before Thursday, I wrote the horn parts and printed them out. And then the horns came to practice them that night. So anyway, that, that's enough about what's going on in our lives. Let's get to, uh, better know framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, uh, if you go to tinyurl.com slash winx, SDK blog. Now that's WinX is Windows 10, right? I'm calling it WinX. You heard it here first, folks. Nice. I'm just saying, you know, let's start a meme. Um, so this is a blog post by Aloise Krauss about the new Windows 10 SDK that comes with a new Windows performance toolkit. 
And uh, the Windows performance tools are designed for analysis of a wide range of performance problems, including um, application start times, boot issues, deferred procedure calls and interrupt activity, system responsiveness issues, application resource usage, and interrupt storms and things like that. So uh, what uh, Alois Krauss wrote about was a really nice summary of this performance toolkit. Uh, the SDK itself, I've linked to at tinyurl.com slash winxsdk. But some management features summarized in this blog post point out that graphs are more readable. Uh, graphs with short spikes are much better rendered without the need to zoom in to see them. The biggest improvement uh, is the possibility to see source file and line numbers. So you can find out this way where most CPU cycles are spent on which line of code if the CPU consumption happens in your code. So it, it's it's really cool. And uh, this is stuff that I hadn't used before. So when I stumbled onto it, I was like, oh, very cool. Some some uh, Something new for me anyway. Awesome. The Windows Performance Toolkit. Yeah, this is stuff we've talked about over on the run-as side a fair bit because, you know, IT folks are often charged with the why is my computer slow problem. Right. Now you can tell if it's a particular application that's slowing things yeah, down. Yeah, or a driver. Yeah, a driver, exactly. Yeah. And that's what you can find out by looking at this stuff. That's what these tools are for. It gets you smart about what's going on. Love it. Awesome. Good stuff, dude. Thanks. Who's talking to us today, man? Grabbed a comment off of show 1070, one we did with one Ms. Julie Lerman, where we talked about Entity Framework 7. And uh, the show's about eight months old. Uh, John Doroshenk said, uh, I jumped on the link to SQL bus when it first left the station and got off at the very next stop and have avoided Entity Framework completely. This might have been just me getting burned by my first experience with an ORM, but Richard's comment about Entity Framework writing bad SQL confirms my belief that staying away was a good decision. The talk of going through profilers or writing out to log files to find out what SQL was output, it seems like lots of headaches and wasted time as opposed to just writing the select statement yourself. If you are smart enough to know what is outputted by an ORM is bad, you should be smart enough to be able to write it in the first place. Now, at the time, eight months ago, I wrote a comment back right away that said, Hey, John, I wouldn't stay away from Entity Framework just because it can write some nasty SQL. Anybody can do that, even humans. And then beside <laughs> it, in all caps, I said, especially humans. Especially humans. Yeah. The vast majority of the time, Entity Framework writes the same SQL you would, and occasionally you're going to have to go and look into the SQL that needs improving, and that saves time overall, which is the goal of an ORM in the first place. Julie is nodding. She's saying thank you, but before she was her, her, her she was fuming. But I'll let her, I'll let her, <laughs> I'll let her talk about that after I introduce her. Go ahead, Richard. So, uh, John, uh, obviously, I wrote the response at the time, and uh, now I've write it on a show. So I'm going to send you a .NET Rocks mug. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of the social media sites. We post to both Google Plus and Facebook every show, and if you can write a comment there, we'll read it on the show. You'll get a mug. And of course, you can tweet us. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And uh, we read all our tweets. So let me uh, uh, bring Julie on so she can respond. She wasn't fuming, by the way. She was just her lips were pursed and she was ready to pounce. But anyway. Horrified, I'm sure. Uh, horrified, probably. Julie Lerman is a Microsoft MVP, a .NET mentor and consultant who lives in the hills of Vermont. You can find Julie presenting on Entity Framework and other Microsoft.NET topics at user groups and conferences around the world. Julie blogs at thedatafarm.com. She's the author of the highly acclaimed Programming Entity Framework books, the MSDN Magazine Data Points column, 
and popular videos on Pluralsight.com. Follow Julie on Twitter at Julie Lerman. Welcome to the show again. Hello, Carl. Right sitting next to me in my yeah, house. You it's pretty too. Pretty Aww. cool house too. It's she lives in the hills of Vermont, and uh, as you're driving the mile up in the sky to get to her place, your cell phone kicks out at about one thousand feet. <laughs> you still have another ten thousand feet to go before you reach her house. That's not true, but it, <laughs> it's a beautiful. No. I mean, the the view she has is just unbelievable. Yeah, and it was enhanced by Carl sitting in the cathedral ceiling living room playing guitar. Nice. I saw that tweet go by. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you by know, the way, I took a picture and tweeted. Oh, you. okay. <laughs> no problem. You don't mind. My eyes were closed, probably. Yeah, you were playing. So That's normal. I wasn't fuming. No, I was no. rolling my eyes. That's all. I was just rolling my eyes. Did I did I provide an appropriate response? Absolutely. Julie? That's okay. exactly that's exactly right. You know, like yeah, I usually say it's about an eighty twenty rule. Although I've had a lot of people who use EF a lot in enterprise applications, and they say it's you know closer to ninety five five for right. for them, unless you're doing a lot of unusual stuff. But it's just like coding for performance, right? You you do what's easiest and then you go look for the problems and and tweak them. So yeah. there's plenty of places where you might rather use stored procedure or view or things like that. And Absolutely. You know, and you know, it's not as if you use entity framework because you're not smart enough to write the SQL yourself. It's not about being smart enough. Julie's obviously smart enough. The guys that work with me at AppVNext are are Great SQL people. It's not that they don't, that they can't. It's just they don't want to. You know. Yeah. There's well, other things I'm to do. I'm smart enough to write SQL. Maybe not smart enough to write JavaScript, though. I've been finding out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited. We're not doing a show about EF with Julie. I mean, I love EF, and you represent it well. But you know, I really like your take on technology. When you dive into something, yeah, I, your viewpoint's always fascinating me. What have you done? Julie Lerman, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Um, I do what I often do, which is playing around, right? Ah, I'm playing go. around with something and I, I never, I don't get to spend a lot of time doing front end stuff, you know, unless of course I have to go s fix up an old Windows forms application. Right. That's fun. Um, so every once in a while, I'll, I'll play with some JavaScript stuff, but I don't do it frequently enough so you know it's always a world of pain when i get there <laughs> that's so not cynical at all the, yeah so the most recent scenario is that i was updating a plural site course i did getting started with ef6 yeah like a year and a half after it got released but it, i just thought you know i just want to put it out there because any framework six is still going to be around for a really long time so i just wanted to have something current so at the end, I was demo after teaching some different things about EF, I was just showing it in a few different applications. And one of the things I wanted to show it in was in a web API, because it's a really common use. But I wanted to use the web API, and I didn't want to just use it in a test. So I had recently met Rob Eisenberg at a conference. And, you know, what an amazing guy. Oh, sure yeah. Is. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and I, you know, I know that, like, if you look on Pluralsight, like, there's, like, so many Angular courses. Angular is really, really popular. Yes. Um, and, you know, so, as I know you've 
you've had shows with him. Rob um, had his had his own JavaScript client, Durandal. Yes. Fra- framework, and then he went to Google and worked on Angular, and then he left there and kind of started again. Like he learned so much, and he like just started again with Aurelia. Anyway, so I thought, well. I'll, I'll use Aurelia as a front end. What the hell? That can't be too hard. How hard could it be? How hard could it be? Actually, um, using it, like, the, so my first stab was just to, from the client side, make HTTP calls directly to my web API. So it was actually, once I got the feel for how the framework was structured, which is really cool how it works, it, it's fun to work with. Uh, that was actually re- not so difficult to do. Like in, in hindsight, it was relatively easy to put that together. And uh, what was more fun for me, because, you know, it wasn't jumping in and, you know, I'm going to learn the whole thing end to end and really understand everything. It was just playing with it. But the thing that challenged me the most was the data binding. And so uh, I I managed to get through that and thought, oh, data, I've got my data points column because for the plural site video, I really couldn't spend a lot of time talking about that. I just mm. it was exercising the web API. So I wrote a data points column on um on the data binding part of it. Now what's interesting to me is that as a C sharp programmer who's done all of you know data binding in the other side of the world, and someone who I don't think of as doing web much web development at all, how how was it to grok? Uh, you know, all of this stuff all at once? Well, there were many new tools I had to use. Forget the data binding. I mean, you know, I always hear all my friends talking about gulp and grunt and all these bizarre <laughs> terms. <laughs> like, okay. Written by some man somewhere. <laughs> yes. And I'm waiting for the burp API. Now it's coming. <laughs> or or worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I live with, I live with that, so... That's nothing new. Um, anyway, so, you know, I, I had to – first of all, I'm working at the command line, right? And I, I graduated quickly from Notepad to Notepad Plus to Sublime, thanks to Glenn Block pointing me at Sublime. So and also all the tools and everything were changing. But because I've been dipping my toe in this over the years, like I used Knockout, right? I did some a little bit of stuff with Knockout a few times and – I've used Breeze.js, and so I've had a little bit of experience doing some of that stuff. So I had something to lean on. But it was interesting, uh, um, you know, really working at the command line and in, you know, in text editor to do all that. But it wow. was it was cool. It was really, for me also, really freeing, you know, because I'm so tied to my tools. Yeah. So, I mean, why not use Studio? Like, why why give that up? Well, because it was fun. <laughs> I love okay, it. Okay, come on. Right? Be honest. No, no, seriously. It's like, oh, I get to do something. Come on, I've been programming for like, you know, I now talk about it in terms of decades, not years. Yeah. Multiple decades, right? So happen? it's fun to do something new. It's like, oh, this is cool. You know, like, oh, you can use the tab key when you're in the command line. I never knew that. <laughs> but don't these lightweight editors uh, work faster on you know web projects than oh yeah yeah they, so you're it's that has a lot to do with it um yeah for me it's not about the fact that it's cross platform because I am using a Windows machine but it is really lightweight mm-hmm. definitely lightweight 
So I did that whole project that way. And, um, well, the, the front end, the Aurelia part of it, the rest of it I did inside of Visual Studio, not realizing that I could have done that stuff in Visual Studio. So at that time, I didn't even realize it. So moving forward, I needed to write my next column for data points. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, I've been, had been playing with document DB. I wrote a column about that, but I used the .NET client API to do my interaction with that. And I thought, you know, document DB has a REST interface. Like you can talk directly to it. You don't download, you know, it's not an SDK or an API. It's just directly talk to REST. I thought, well, that'd be cool. I could take my Aurelia sample and instead of using, you know, REST talking via HTTP to my web API, I could talk directly to the document DB. And down the rabbit hole I went <laughs> until I jumped into the jaws of, you know, whatever was waiting for me down there and hightailed it back out of that hole. And I've been in many of those over the last eight days. Hmm. Um, so the, the, Jaws that I ran into there was there's all kinds of security stuff you have to do and it's very chatty and you can't use the map, you know, you need some security when you're communicating with the document DB, right? So you're not going to put your keys, your master keys directly in your client and use those. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that was a wall I ran into. Then I was like, oh, well, they've got a JavaScript client SDK. I can use that. You know, I can, uh, have a, little service that I wrote a little service that had the master key in it. And that service returned resource keys. So I'm like, okay, I'll use the resource keys because that's one of the architectural patterns they recommend. Well, it turned out I went down that road, got it all working. And I was having a problem with, with course, with the fact that I was calling, um, you know, to, from one, uh, one URL to another URL. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those are the kinds of things that will drive uh, somebody nuts who doesn't do this kind of work on, well, in JavaScript on it, a regular basis. Yeah, and it turns out that that SDK doesn't support cores. Huh. Eh. So that, you know, it's so like, all, all like, I'll do it this way. Okay, no, no, I'll do it that way. No, I'll do it this way. So what I ended up doing was using Node and Express um, to... Right, Node. I'd never used Node before. I'd never touched it. I know all my friends talk about it all the time. Express is another kind of JavaScript API, server-side API. Node is a server-side JavaScript. So I was like, all right, that's what I'll do. I'll use Node on the server-side, and I'll let that be um, be my controller. And then I'll, you know, work that in. So I had access to a great sample app that Ryan Crocor. Have you talked to him yet about Document DB? No. No. Oh, put him on your list. Um, so Ryan from the team, he had written the sample, but it, it wasn't with Aurelia. And then I found a nice on GitHub, I found an Aurelia sample that used Node. So I'm download both of them, you know, get them up and running, and then I'm studying them and trying to figure out how to take the best of both worlds and make it work because nobody's done it before. Huh. So it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs> Is that the four-letter word? Fun. P H U N L L. Yeah. So, 
I mean, we were talking uh, at dinner last night just about all of the the IT kind of things that you you know a, a C sharp developer uh, or a WinForms or WPF developer or somebody who's working in, in, with CRUD apps not not web may have to know about you know when you're doing this kind of stuff like. Uh, everything that's involved with HDP, like DNS resolution and all of that stuff. Um, routing. Routing. Oh, my God, routing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Google copy paste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So had you done any Angular before no. going to Aurelia? No. No, I literally am just jumping. I was just jumping in with no background in all like, you know, there's there's a whole slew of technologies you right. need to be using with this. And I don't know jack about any of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really interesting to get your take on it. And and so let's say how far have you gotten in eight days? What have you been able to accomplish? Well, Remember, I was starting. I I had a working Aurelia app, so that was that helps. Um, yep. You know, so I had that knowledge already, um, and I actually am really, really close now. Uh, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm actually getting my HTML back to the browser after you know making the call and I'm debugging. Oh my gosh! Oh, and by the way, Visual Studio. Right. So I had to debug node, right? I'm writing right. all this node stuff. Yeah. I had to debug it. So I'm like, okay. Oh yeah. There's a node extension for Visual Studio. So I load that up. And of course, I have to entertain people on Twitter, you know, who are freaking out that I'm doing things that are not related to data and EF. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah I just installed <laughs> node extension. And I get back this flurry of what the, why aren't you using Visual Studio code? I'm going, I don't want to learn another thing, please. <laughs> please. So there, don't make there's me. the line, huh? <laughs> yeah. And so, but this is so very typical for me. Like, uh, have you ever watched that uh, PBS Britcom of the uh, uh, the vicar, the comedian? She's an act. She's an actress. She's a really hilarious comedian, and she played a vicar. Is that absolutely fabulous? Maybe. No, it, it along those lines. Um, anyway, there's this really hilarious character on there and he would always start whenever he wanted to say yes, he'd stutter out. No, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and that is exactly me when it's like, you have to learn something new. And I'm like, no, 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 no. All right. You know, like eight hours later. Right. I'm like, all right, I'll just download it. Oh, that installed fast. Now, when I had with Visual Studio, I actually had gone through the process of importing my existing application into a project because that's how you do it. Mm. If you have the application already set up and that took like over five minutes and I thought, oh, this is Mm. not going to go well. Right. Right. Anyway, so I downloaded Visual Studio Code. It downloaded in like three seconds and then you open it up and you point to the folder. Boom, there it is. And you can start debugging like. Oh yeah, that's easy. Mm, and nice. it has fami- you know, the even even though it doesn't look and feel like Visual Studio, just somehow using it, having used Visual Studios for so many years, it's you know, the the paradigms are the same. You got a section to see the call stack, you put breakpoints, you run it, you know, you can hover over things, see what they, you know, see what's going on there. And it's so, a lot easier than you thought it would be. It is. It was just easy. 
It was just easy. <laughs> like, but is that uh, also the home effect that, you know, you knew your way around that space so you could count on what it was saying to you? Yeah, yeah, that that's very possible. So I think uh, somebody who's used Visual Studio would, you know, probably easily use this. But I, I think it's this, the UI and what's in there is so, it's so simple and so narrow that I think even somebody who's new would um, take to it really easily. I mean, I have a tough time ever saying Visual Studio and simple in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but the I think one of the differences is Visual Studio, it really holds your hand through a project in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. And, I, that, and I, that's, I'm not saying that simple is necessarily better either. There's a complexity to Visual Studio because it does a lot for you. But I, I it's a comfortable bed. You yeah. know, I know how to lie in that. And it's a it, it's like a really nice middle ground between a text editor and Visual Studio. Right. Yeah, they have that freedom of really just feel like you're editing text and you don't have to build and compile and do all that stuff. And it's also the other interesting thing about going through all of this and all these learning curves, it's helping me understand why ASP.NET 5 has gone in the direction that it has. Okay, interesting. Because they're kind of they're kind of aligning a lot of the process and the the way puzzle pieces fit together and also um how you've got, you know, tiny little piece, you know, tiny little puzzle pieces and you pull together whatever you want um in order to put your solution together instead of huge APIs, right? right? And uh, but I'm start, you know, I I played with ASP.NET 5 only in that I was using it so I could work with the F7, right? right. Just like because that's kind of like the the path. So I wasn't really paying attention to all those other things, like you know, it's got package management. I mean, I I know NuGet's a package manager, but it's you know, it uses grunt and gulp and burp and fart and all those other things too. <laughs> there she said it. <laughs> Um, but, but it it was just really interesting. It also makes sense why, you know, people like John Papa and Dan Moline and all these people who have already made this big investment in an angular, you know, style framework, why they love what's going on with ASP.NET 5 too, because it was familiar. They already understood that paradigm. So what's the, what was the sort of most challenging pattern to get used to? with Aurelia? Well, you know, in the it wasn't the Aurelia that gave me um, the trouble, really. It's Node. It was Node and the callbacks and understanding, uh, you know, doing stuff on the server side and on the client side. Not that we haven't been doing that for a million years, but it sure. works differently. The connection, yeah. it's, it was connecting what was going on the front end to the back end. That I'm uh, trying to think... Yeah, because all of my pain in the last week has been more on on that side. So one of the um, one of the cool things about that I really like about Aurelia is that it's got view models and views, and you you don't have to bind those up. It just if as long as you give them the same name, they're thought of by Aurelia as a pair, and it automatically binds them together. Right. So that's kind of cool. So you don't have to do that extra work of of uh, binding those together, the convention over configuration idea that that's been a that's been the way uh, most of these frameworks have uh, worked. See, 
Yeah. It was new to me. I thought it was cool. But it, but it is very cool. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It it It's just one less thing you have to think about. Yeah. And I'm not the person to say, you know, why, how it really is different from those other ones, because literally zero experience with, with any of them. What I'm really interested in is your take on it, you know, coming from a C-sharp perspective, what uh, maybe not hung you up the most, but, you know, it's just the kind of the strangest thing to get used to. But uh, it sounds like it's just JavaScript in general and the, and Node especially. Yeah. You know, uh, really also uses, takes advantage of ES6. Mm. So, you know, the new JavaScript. So, uh, 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 yeah, a lot, for me, a lot of the challenges were just JavaScript, all that JavaScripty stuff. JavaScripty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. You got it. It's time to make a cup of tea with leaves grown and picked by hand by Burlington Trustafarian hippie farmers, <laughs> infused with arugula and watercress, and stirred with a flat hand-carved wooden teaspoon of local honey. Nice. Ah, screw it. I'm just going to get a beer. <laughs> ah, I thought you would have gone down the Dunkin' Donuts coffee route, but yes. <laughs> Everything is local here. It's a, This is like Eden. It's like paradise. It's like everything grows beautifully. You go to a gas station, there's a farmer's market with tomatoes so red you've never seen them before in your life. I'm not nice. talking about the kind of red tomatoes you get like it's Sop and Shop that are picked green and then they turn red. I'm talking about real tomato. Like it's amazing here. The, this is like food heaven. Nice. Actually, it's time to give away a Telerik Devcraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. And with the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Stefan Bastien. Congratulations, Stefan. Golf, golf clap, clap for you, sir. For you, sir. By the way, speaking of golf clap for you, yeah. uh, when I was at that conference a couple of weeks back, uh, you saw a t-shirt. I didn't see a t-shirt. I, you know, I we had such a great uh, codeathon for HT Box uh -huh. that I got you to send out a bunch of Donna Rocks mugs, right? And one of the biggest contributors, what a guy who I cannot believe how many check-ins he pulled off, Michael, asked me to write on the back of the mug, "Golf clap for you." Sir. Oh, that's great. <laughs> 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 we have our memes there you yeah. go there's some things yeah and very unintentional you know <laughs> i didn't mean that to be a meme it just <laughs> felt like that's what we were doing when the two of us were clapping into microphones what else is it golf clap for you sir well if you don't know what we're doing here go to netrocks.com click on the big get free stuff button answer a few questions and join the .NET Rocks fan club. Because we have thousands of members all over the world. And every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And Julie is trying to remember what it was she was going to buy with $5,000. <laughs> because you can see her. <laughs> she just went, oh, no, oh, I, no. Wasn't, I wasn't on. prepared. And she's Help like, me. look around. I don't need anything else. She's in geek heaven here. What, what, you know, surely there's got to be something on your list. Uh, I, I think I used up the 3D printer idea last time, right? 
Well, they've gotten better, you know. Can can I get it? Oh, I know. Oh. What a, a Tesla battery oh, to power oh, the yeah. house. Storage wall. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I was thinking about a Tesla car, but I don't think you'd pick that A little up bit more than five, five grand. grand. Yeah. yeah. That'll buy the door. Yeah, those <laughs> batteries. How cool is that? That Very would be Vermont-y. fun. Yeah. Very is Vermont-y. That, it's techie, geeky And enough? I think they're about five grand, right, Richard? Uh, yeah, uh, depends on the model. The, the, the Powerwall, the one you're supposed to sort of use every day, more like three grand. Hmm. So, uh, okay. yeah, you, you're in the ballpark. Uh, so or, you can get that Or in. alternatively, n- uh, nerd blocks for all of my friends. Nerd, nerd blocks. blocks. Oh, my gosh. they It's a company that mails out a box. Uh, maybe it's nerd box. A box of nerdy goodies toys and really t-shirts and stuff like that every month i got it for i got a three-month subscription for a friend of mine there there's a couple of companies that do it these guys are out of canada wow that's fun like great yeah and they they put stuff in there it's like they've got you know groot little groot statues or whatever like a whole box like christmas every month i would (laughs) i would like do i would do that and just get it for all my friends that, that sounds funny. awesome. Nerdbox? Nerdblock.com. Oh, Richard's got it. Yep. Okay. So that wasn't meant to be an advertisement, but, you know, that is a fun, geeky thing. Yep. Well, you come across things that are fun. Yeah. You want to share them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, we got to dive back into this thing because I think you're just sort of getting to this point of putting all these pieces together. Like, it feels like other than the gluing parts, like you're owning less code in the end, right? Yeah, well, I yes, I I think that's also the what the purpose of frameworks and APIs is. Right. Right? They they take care of a lot of that. W- one of the things I was thinking of that you know, you were asking me about my pain points as somebody new coming into this. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to be sure to say that one of the important things, uh, you know, and I know that uh, believe me, I'm the same we tend to skip over this, but I think it's really important to go to their getting started documentation yeah. and do the walkthroughs. Don't just, you know, I know how to, you just want to start, right? You just want to start doing it. But it's so, for me, it's so new and I don't understand how the pieces go together. I don't understand what the purpose of this and that is. So I can't fix stuff. And I find that if you're if you're doing the walkthroughs and you think to myself, oh, that's stupid. It shouldn't be done like that. Then you really need to keep going through the walkthroughs because clearly you're not getting it. All right. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I learned, you know, and not on Aurelia per, per se, but going all these frameworks going back to knockout. Uh, when you do, when you go through these things, you really just have to check out your ego and just be taught, you know, and, and, and just absorb and try to absorb as much as you can. And then, uh, but you know, I, I found myself going, well, that's kind of silly. Why do that? And then of course your answer is there like, you know, half an hour later when you're doing example three, uh, you know, you just have to sort of, it's like anything, right? Any math class that you've ever taken, you learn these fundamental things first and they don't seem important. And then, uh, you know, the next day or two, oh, yeah, really good thing that I learned all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it gives you context. So uh, what I had at my hands then was, you know, the original, like getting started Aurelia walkthrough that I had done. 
the little app that I had built that just kind of extended on that. So I, you know, made it to use my own models. And that was the one that called into my, my ASP.NET Web API. Then I uh, downloaded, because um, it's on GitHub, Aurelia, from GitHub, it's Aurelia-Node. And that was the example that just built the skeleton app that shows Aurelia and Node together. Mm. And then I also did the walkthrough that Ryan Krawcor had built, which was creating a Node app that communicated with DocumentDB. So I had t physically done three of them. I had the other one at my disposal. And then I was literally, to e each one of them, debugging through them to understand what's going on, right? There's a point where the debugger would get down into the node modules and things like that. Um, but, you know, there's so a point at which like, okay, I don't need to know that much, but it was debugging in order to see how these different pieces work. So that was also really helpful. And I was going back and forth between them as I was trying to understand, if I, you know, every time I hit a wall, there was only like, you know, four or 5,000 of those instances. Uh, but every time I hit a wall, I could go and, you know, find something that would show me, like, you know, how that works or why it works that way. So it helped me think through what I might be doing wrong. Awesome. Um, what were what were some of those resources you just mentioned there, the the walkthrough by Ryan? Yeah, on the – so DocumentDB, there's a, a, core, a URL that will get you into the basics of uh, documentation and stuff. And it's just documentdb.com that will get you there. And there's, uh, in one section, it, there's a section called, um, building your first app and it has walkthroughs for, uh, AS, for .NET, uh, one for Node and then a couple of other ones. So I used that walkthrough. Okay. And then on, then, then the example that creates a skeleton app. Well, um, Aurelia has a download where you get a skeleton app to start with. Right. So there was, one that was built on top of that that gave you a skeleton app that had all the stuff you needed for Node and Express built into that. So that was another one. So we might as well talk a little bit about DocumentDB since you've been bringing it up a couple of times here and we haven't talked about it. Oh, yeah. 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 So I get it that it's a document database like yep. Mongo or Raven or anything like that. Right. Or um, what's special about it? Well, again, for me, it's new territory, right? Because I've always been working with relational databases. Mm. And I actually, I I keep kind of like looking over, you know, over the edge there at all these NoSQL databases and thinking, oh, I want to play with them. I want to try them out, right? Like what's going yeah. on over there? But, you know, it's like, oh, you have sixes coming out. I have to learn that. Oh, you have sevens <laughs> coming out. I have to learn that. Right. You know, so this, responsible. Well, <laughs> pays the mortgage, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been tough, but a few was like three or four years ago, I actually wrote an article because I was like, what the heck are document databases? So I did some research to find out what they were, not really like digging in and using each one of them, but just a real overview understanding. And that was actually ended up being a really popular article. And Bill Wilder happened to be here because, you know, everybody just stops by and Bill's an <laughs> architect and an Azure guy. Um, and he was in the middle of hiking the long trail. 
Wow. Not the Appalachian Trail, but the long trail, the one that goes from the bottom of the Vermont to the top of Vermont. But that's 200 miles. Wow. And it's a lot of work. So we, he, um, yeah, Vermont has its own Appalachian Trail. Yes. It actually it's does intersect big. with the Appalachian Trail a little bit. So he'd been out on the trail for a while and we had planned this. His wife had um, mailed some stuff to our house. And Samson, Giant Puppy, and I actually met him on the trail because he, when he had the cell service, he called. So I kind of had an idea about when he'd be at the um, coming down the um, side trail that is near our house. So it was the middle of summer. It was right before Irene. Remember that big hurricane? Oh, yeah, I do. Sure. Um, he, I, I, Samson has a little backpack. So in his backpack, I put ice packs, oranges all sliced up, and ice cream sandwiches. And we went up the trail and met Bill on his way down. He almost cried. <laughs> and that was nothing. I put my husband in charge of dinner that night. I said, what would you want? And he made bacon cheeseburgers. Oh, nice. And, yeah, Bill was sitting at the at the table crying. Anyway, so – and this is a big dog. Samson is an appropriate name for this. This is not a dog. This is a small horse. <laughs> oh, it's my little munchkin. I call him. Little. Nothing little about Samson. <laughs> yeah. anyway, anyway, so he was here and he really helped me a lot with uh, with some of that comprehension. So I was interested in DocumentDB. And, of course, when Microsoft put uh, started putting – um, Azure Document DB out for people to look at. I was definitely curious about that, so so I played with it. You know, I'd written an article on it, and um, what did I do? I wrote. Uh, I must have just done a little little front end JavaScripty website that talked to a web API that I used to access Document DB. So it was fun. You know, again, fun and exploration for me to just get a feel for how to. You know what? It, what is it like to work with a document database? Because I've never really done that before. And is Document DB an open source thing, or is it? Uh, no, but it's part of Azure. It's part of Azure, and it's it's an Azure service. So it's not something that you download and put on your servers. It's an Great. Azure service, and you know. It's so you pay per use. Got a fee. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's there's a fee around it. Um, but it's pretty cool, and the. The thing that was most that really intrigued me about Document DB when when Microsoft first started talking about it was that Kelly Summers looked at it and had a lot of really good things to say about it. And when it comes to big data and you know performance and transactions, I really trust what she has to say. Mm, good. So That's this good. is a so this is a nice combination. You're doing Node.js and Document DB and Azure, and then Aurelia. On the front end, I'm all and, over the map. <laughs> yeah, all over the map. But but that's you know you got to have a front end, you got to have a back end. Sure, so it's kind of a cool thing. Now, of course, using a document database is for when you have big data, right? And I am just using sample data with tiny little things because that's you know that's probably the best way to start learning that. I'm not going to mm. be throwing five million records at it. Right. I'll let Kelly what, um, do that. What what kind of app do you have in mind that you want to build with Aurelia? You mean my little demo? No, no. I mean when you're once you've got all this stuff working. Oh, like I what? haven't thought that far ahead. I just have a new <laughs> toy to play with. Shiny toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wonder if EF would actually have a role in any of this, but I just don't think it does. Well Uh oh. EF seven does. 
Neat. So, yeah, Entity Framework 7 actually has the capability of talking to non-relational data stores. And in their first explorations and doing a lot of their proof of concept, the team did create an API for Azure Table Storage. So, of course, I used that. And, of course, everybody says, well, why the hell do you need an ORM to talk to a non, you know, an, a non-R database, yeah. right? There's no <laughs> R there. Why yeah. the hell would you need that? So, you know, I thought about it and I played with it. You know, I played with it because, yeah, it was a shiny new toy, right? right. But the more I used it, the more I realized that I've used Azure Table Storage before and I've used the .NET client and there's all this complexity in setting things up. And when I used Azure Table Storage with the EF7, you know, by, by way of EF7, all the setup was gone. Huh. And when I started using DocumentDB and using its .NET client API, the most complicated stuff I had to do was the setup saying, here's, here's where the, you know, here's where my Azure account is. Here's the DocumentDB client that I created. Here's mm. the DocumentDB set database that I created inside of the client. Here are the collections inside of that, right? All mm. of that is boilerplate setup stuff. So they don't have, uh, haven't done an API for DocumentDB yet, but I can see the same thing, just not having to deal with that. So I had a conversation because I would talk about this every once in a while on Twitter or, well, you know, talk about stuff on Twitter, you just kind of do a little 140 <laughs> character blip, right? But I would mention this on Twitter. And um, naturally, Franz Buma, who, you know, I, I love Franz. Yeah. Uh, he's a brilliant guy with a short rope. <laughs> right? But a guy that's also been immersed in the ORM problem Absolutely. for decades. Yeah. I right? mean, LLBL Gen, right? He really knows ORMs. And he's also very skeptical of things. But that's because he's so smart. He really, lo you know, I'm just like, oh, shiny new toy. Whereas, <laughs> you know, Franz really looks at it with, uh, with, you know, all of his experience and intelligence and understands the working parts. So it was Franz and it was also Jimmy Bogart. But I was very proud of my interaction with Franz because, you know, Franz, of course, was like, why the hell do you need an ORM? That's just stupid to talk to, you know, <laughs> that. And then I, because, oh, I know, I had been playing with DocumentDB and I was like, oh, you know, I can see using EF7 to talk to this too, just like with Azure Table Storage. So he was like, ah, why would she do that? Um, I'm smart enough to do it by hand. Well, I showed him, I pointed to him a page that had an example of the setup code. And guess what he said? Oh, okay. I can see why you would want to have that wrapped. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not, it's not for the ORM part. It's for the wrapper part. Yeah, setup. it's plumbing. But also the fact that, you know, for me, like I know how to use EF. So now I can, you know... I, not do any of the really complicated things you might do with a NoSQL database, but um, without having to deal with all of that plumbing, I could just say, okay, I want to use that, and I'm just going to write link queries and get my data back and yeah. call save changes like I already know how to do and yeah. push the data in. Well, very good then. That's so, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah, taking having those things taken care of for you it ends up being a big deal. I mean, I've, and I, I just like this whole conversation because it's a sense of what this – new stack looks like and what's hard and what's easy because yeah. you've every part of this is different 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I want to just get back to, you know, what you just said about having some of that stuff taken care of for you. You might think, oh, yeah, the way Entity Framework takes care of your SQL for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's different. Like, SQL, like generating the SQL is a really complicated thing. What this kind of plumbing wrapper is, it's just like almost static stuff, like really right. easy boilerplate stuff that should should have should have a wrapper. You shouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Unless you need to do special stuff with it. Right, right. Yeah. There's just like constant pieces around all of that. And it the deployment story on this, I mean, you're back to the same set of problems. There's a lot of moving parts here. How do you package all that up and, and reliably deploy it? Obviously into the cloud, you know, you're you're using document DB on Azure. Is it a website or is there a better way to go? Are we talking about document DB or back to Aurelia? We're talking about your, you've, you've built an app chain here, right? You've got Aurelia, you've got Node, you're storing on document DB. Now, when you go to deploy, right? Yeah. Are you actually putting it into an Azure website or do you use a VM? Like what's the backend bit look like? Well, you know, the whole Aurelia actually, like all, as far as I understand, it's all, I mean, it's just JavaScript. It's all written yeah. on Node. So you just would take the, I don't know. I I don't know. I haven't done that yet. But you are building stuff with Node. And are you, is it in the cloud already? I mean, is it in Azure yeah, already? The, well, no, I, the, the document DB is in Azure because that's a service, mm -hmm. right? Right. So I'm everything I'm doing when I'm interacting with it. I'm already going out to Azure to the to the web, to the cloud to get that data. But Node isn't in the cloud. No, Node can be. I mean, Azure has all of that right. set up. You can right. you can put all of that there for the time being. It you know all of my code, all of my JavaScript code, and you know and. That's all it is. It's all JavaScript code. Right. Yeah. And it's using other packaged up JavaScript code that represents Aurelia's APIs and no, you know, Express and this and that, right? All these different pieces. So I guess just, you so know, it's not you, that you compile it into a DLL. No. You just push it all up there. Yeah. When you want to deploy it, you just, it's a node application in Azure. That's basically it. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, you know, you've got your HTML files and your JavaScript files. But, one of the reasons I'm doing a lot of the work in Node, not just all in JavaScript, is that uh, the Node stuff has to, you know, the Node stuff is secure on the server, right? That's not coming down to the client. Mm, so right. that's what enables me to have, you know, it's almost kind of like web config, right? Like that, you know, obviously we do it a little differently, maybe. Um, I'm just experimenting, so I'm just doing things the easiest way. But for a, like a basic security concern, right? All that stuff's on my server. That's not coming down to the client. So my keys, my access keys, my master key, my passwords to get to the document DB mm. service, they're all up on the server. And that's why it was important for me. I mean, I could have just used my web API that I'd already built, my ASP.NET web API. I just right. wanted to do something different, something right? Different. So the yeah. node, I'm built basically building a controller. I'm building an API in Node. All right. So I'm really curious. Have you learned anything in JavaScript world that you can bring back to the world of C Sharp VBNet? Absolutely. So here, this is actually kind of funny. They're one of the data binding things that I learned about when I was working with the Aurelia app the first time is actually something that goes back to ESS, 
not ECMAScript. <laughs> right, ECMAScript, not Entity Framework, ES6, is string interpolation. String interpolation makes it easier to compose strings with variables instead of doing concatenation and all that kind of stuff. I see. Okay. So I was like, oh, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, oh, understanding, oh, this isn't an Aurelia thing. It's just Aurelia is benefiting from it because it sees the string interpolation and it does a little extra stuff. But the string interpolation is actually part of ES6. Nice. But it turns out, I hadn't noticed this yet, String interpolation just got introduced into C sharp six and VB fourteen, <laughs> but I learned about it. You heard it here first, right? I learned about it first by way of JavaScript, and then I was like, "Oh, look, it's in C sharp six now. I already know how to use it and VB." So nice. I just thought that was kind of funny. That's very cool. So, Julie, what's next for you after this um, project? Your shiny new toy. When it uh, when it finally walks by itself, what are you what are you going to do next? Well, I really need to get back to working on my next Pluralsight course, and a uh, couple of things I have in the pipes for that are some more Entity Framework six, and you know, putting some content there that's there for the long term mm. for Entity Framework. But I am am actually hoping to dive further into the Aurelia data binding. Nice. And maybe do some do some work around the Aurelia data binding against a web, web API and against the document DB. And you know, one of the things I think also is important from you know all of the pain I have gone through is that I know if I just say, "Oh, here's how to do it," that there'll be you know a million people who are like, "Well, why didn't you do it this way?" Why don't you do it that way? Well, it's got a REST API. Why don't you use the REST API? So they're going to try all the things that I tried <laughs> and killed myself over. So it's really important for me to also share that part of the lesson so right. people don't waste their time. Yeah, good, it. good, good advice. Well, thanks, Julie. It's been a pleasure, and thanks for having me over. And, uh, you know, well, this is the best way to do it. Well, even almost the best way. The best way would ha be to have both of you here. That would be a lot Aww. of fun. That's so nice. All thanks, right. Julie. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got